Your Jarvis Landry latest news, a debate about two Buckeye wide receivers and how the NFL needs to listen to prospective draftees and agents about the NFL combine. All coming up on your latest Locked On Browns. You are Locked On Browns, your daily Cleveland Browns podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back, my friends, to the show that never ends, your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound, LGB on the LOB, the Locked On Browns podcast brought to you by the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, your host of Locked On Browns, Jeff Lloyd, at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. The show itself at Lockdown Browns, follow back account. Appreciate everybody who makes Lockdown Browns your first listen day in, day out, whatever podcast platform you use. Make sure you follow and subscribe to the Lockdown Browns podcast. Five star ratings, written reviews. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. Sitting down here today with Sports Illustrated's Pete Smith. At underscore Pete Smith underscore, of course, Browns Digest on SI.com. Pete, um, the news breaking today, and I guess it started last night as far as Jarvis Landry. There's a bunch of avenues and levels to this. First things first, the Browns could have had a tremendously successful season this year. And the Browns were still going to be uncomfortable with the amount of money being paid to Jarvis Landry. The Browns never... The current Browns never signed Jarvis Landry to this contract. And I did, a for those who listened, I did a hit on this last week. And this is a very similar kind of situation to what the Browns went through last year with Sheldon Richardson, Pete. Granted, a whole different scope as far as the amount of money involved. It's a difficult conversation to have when, and up until this point, you know, I know everybody, leadership. Look, there's a lot of superlatives you can use for Jarvis Landry And his time, I'm not saying it's over, but his time here with the Cleveland Browns. You want to use leadership. You want to use gamer, tough guy, everything that was asked of him. You can use all of those things. But it's a really difficult situation to have when you've got to sit down with a guy who's making $16 million and say, we think this is great. We love that you do this. This is great. This is great. This is great. This is great. But this is a production-based business. Bottom line, you got a lot of guys in this league, the Aaron Rodgers of the world, Plenty others who are just an absolute pain in the ass. Guess what? They make a ton of money. They give their organization fits over the most medial BS there is, and they can get away with it because they produce. They get it done every single week. This has been an issue for Jarvis Landry. Even in his better years here, his production was never, ever equivalent to the contract extension, the $16 million that John Dorsey, you know, per year, John Dorsey agreed to give him. He, in his four years in Cleveland, is taken out, walking out of here if he leaves with almost $60 million. You look at what he did on the field, it certainly doesn't equate as far as compensation for production. This conversation, though, Pete, this was happening regardless how this season turned out for the Browns. There's no way around it. Yeah, I mean, the fact is the Browns were ultimately going to have to make a decision one way or the other um, and nailing down a, a potential restructuring number was always going to be really, really difficult. 
Um, not only do you have the idea of coming down from $16.3 million, 1.5 of that, which is still part of this prorated bonus. So the possibility of $14.8 million in savings is similar. But even if you come to a, a, a number that sort of makes sense, you also have the other aspect of this where it's your role. And the Browns may not have the same idea about Landry in terms of role that he does. Um, they may not want him to be sort of the, you know, the one of the top two receivers on the field. And if they draft somebody early, if they really like where DPJ continues to come in terms of how he fits within the offense, and they're going to use two tight ends and they're going to use two, a couple running backs. Like at some point you, you're starting to wonder why are we paying all this money for a, a third receiver? So I don't know where the, the, the rubber was going to hit the road there. Uh, and I still don't. What this comes down to and why the timing of this is why this is happening right now comes down to Jarvis Landry's awareness of the calendar. Um, Jarvis Landry is not stupid. He understands that free agency starts March 16th. Um, and if the Browns are not going to have him on their team uh, with whatever resolution they might work out, he wants to be out in time to capitalize on that market. And that's part of his frustration is not only did the Browns not play well this year, particularly on the offensive side of the ball, but it's the second year in a row where he was pretty poor. And obviously injuries had a major uh, role in that. His knee was jacked up. Now today, he, this is the first day he went into like details of just how jacked up, but we knew it was bad. Um, and so you're coming off two years of pretty unproductive football. And now you're potentially on the open market. You want to be able to capitalize that. So that's part of his frustration. The guy he's worried about becoming is Sheldon Richardson. And unfortunately, this was sort of out of necessity in some ways, but still didn't look great for the Browns. Uh, Jadevian Clowney last year, the Browns obviously uh, wanted to sign him, but Jadevian Clowney had suffered a had had knee surgery to repair a torn meniscus. And he was, wasn't cleared from a physical standpoint until the middle of April, which is when they actually signed him uh, coming off that surgery. At that point, they then released Sheldon Richardson, which is basically was five weeks, six weeks into free agency already. And everybody had start, largely made their decisions. So he ultimately had to settle for a contract that amounted to a one-year deal for a quarter of the money. He was scheduled to make $13 million that year with the Browns signed with the Vikings for $3.5 million. That is what Jarvis Landry does not want to have happen. That is why this is coming out now. He wants to speed up this conversation and get clarity. Uh, basically by the combine is when his his agent is going to meet with the team, as is commonplace. The combine is where a lot of these type of things happen. Um, and he wants to know one way or the other. He does not want to get stuck in a, well, we'll, 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 uh, kick it down the road a little bit. He wants to know he's either going to be with the Browns, which he's said he's perfectly fine in doing, or he's not, in which case he wants that answer. Well, and the thing is, of course, you know, he wants to be available for, the, if I'm going to be a free agent, I don't want to be, you know, the second rung, the third rung of free agency. I want to be available on day one. Um, I do think there's going to be a little bit of stark reality here for Jarvis Landry and his camp. Um, as far as, you know, maybe what they think they are worth on the open market. And look, you know, 
And to Jarvis's credit, yes, barely missed any time from injury. Did miss some time this year. Obviously went into detail today about, you know, how deep the injury was. But you saw Jarvis Landry more healthy as the season went on. First Raven game, he looked pretty good, of course, um, against Green Bay Packers on Christmas Day. Um, So you saw signs of him getting healthy. Still some player there. But Pete, every year these draft classes, we're talking about four or five guys in round one alone. There is a phenomenal group of wide receivers currently in the NFL. He's going to get to the open market. And I mean, if he thinks there's still days of making north of $10 million a year, I, I think him and his camper, they're going to have a real tough time finding a dance partner if they think that's the monetary amount that he is still worth. Well, yeah, I mean, a lot of that depends on how badly he wants to be on a contender. Um, if he wants to play on a team that's winning, chances are they're not going to have a lot of money to spend, and they're not going to spend it on what would likely be the third receiver in that uh, group. He could be a really, really nice player on a team that doesn't use as many tight ends because then he can sort of operate in that short to intermediate. Hello, Jacksonville. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, <laughs> you know, like that's sort of the role, role Tyler Boyd had with the Bengals, except Tyler Boyd's better. Um but like he can crush in terms of like finding holes in the zone and you know capitalizing on space other guys create for him, which is why he was always at his best in Cleveland when he had Odell Beckham operating at a reasonably high level. For example, in 2019, Jarvis Landry had a great year. Like that was his a, a really really good year. He averaged 73.4 yards receiving that year. And he had six touchdowns. I don't think he had a uh, – he didn't fumble the ball or anything in that year. Like, that was his best year, even though he was dealing with a hip issue. The three other years combined, he averages 55.4 receiving yards per game and averages 4.3 touchdowns. Even if I take that over a seven-game season, that's 940 yards – or 941.8, actually. But, like, he's not getting better – this isn't like a situation. I mean, and this is part of the problem is you're paying for future production or now production. That's challenging. And obviously, again, some of this comes down to him being a, a really tough guy who plays through pain also can work against him because the teams are also going, he's played through a lot of injuries and he's sort of worrying down. That doesn't mean he can't find a great spot. That doesn't mean he can't help a team can pretend to it for a t- championship, but I don't see where the money is in that. But, at the very least, he still wants the ability to have the best opportunity for him. Uh, that's also why he's not closing the door on Cleveland. It's also why he's making it very clear that he'd be happy to play with Cleveland because he still might end up with around $10 million if they if they want it to work like that and he gets to sort of, you know, he and, and part of this is Jarvis Landry is very savvy with how to use social media and very savvy on how he can make it work for him in terms of how he wants to sort of present himself. Like if, if ultimately the Browns and and Landry work out a deal where he comes back for, let's say $10 million this year, like he gets to sort of play this off as sort of being this, you know, this, this sort of uh, generous, you know, team player that did everything he could and wants to win. And that's how bad he loves Cleveland. And if he doesn't, then he's sort of trying to portray this as, well, I did what I, you know, I did the best I could and the team didn't want to meet me halfway. What I find interesting as I've, as I've sort of watched this develop is 
as I predicted would happen, there are a lot less people who are like super, uh, uh, you know, dying to keep him here than, than there were before this season. And that's part of the problem is he's not that productive. Like he's a really nice player, but like when players get criticized on this team for lack of production, he's often been sort of left out of that mix mm-hmm. when you're sort of forced to look at it and go, he's at least scheduled to have the 11th highest salary among wide receivers in the NFL. And he's, you know, rated in like the sixties, at least according to PFF. And obviously that's subjective on some level, but that's sort of like where he's at. There's a lot of issues with this. So it's interesting that it's not working quite the way he would like, but he's still, there are a lot of people who are very um, attached, who admire what he's done, who still think, you know attribute the quote-unquote culture change to him and all this other stuff which has varying degrees of truth to it um but the bottom line is that this was always going to come to this what landry i think his emotions and this which i don't doubt he had what i would guess is the most difficult uh year of profession his professional football career um Obviously, he worked so hard in the offseason to finally be healthy and change his body. He wanted to be quicker and all this stuff. At the same time, Odell Beckham was coming off the knee. He was supposed to be healthy. This was going to be the year these two came together and were great together. And then week two, he destroys his knee. He only ends up playing one game the whole season, a game, the game against the Denver Broncos, where he re-injures that same knee after missing time. And then Odell Beckham situation plays out the way he does. And all of a sudden you're sitting here going, what am I doing? Um, and I think that has played into this and not unreal. You know, that's not an unreasonable uh, place to be. He's human. Um, but then most of this is really aimed at looking ahead to his career and what else he can, what he has left to do with it. Um, I, I understand why this sort is, is can tear at the heartstrings for fans and some media, but do I think the Browns really are moved too much by it? No, they're going to do what's best for them. Um, and I do think ultimately they would release him ahead of free agency. If for no other reason, they don't want to deal with Attic and they want to sort of move on, but that's sort of where we are. And a lot of people are suggesting that he should be paid all 16, 3.3 million because what are the Browns without him? Well, my question to that is what would a good organization do in this situation? And, are we even pretending that the Browns should act like a good organization? Or are we pretending they should act like a team that can't afford to survive without a receiver that has had uh, made two pro bowls, one of which was a complete joke. The other was well-deserved. He had, again, 2019, he was great. Um, yep. But has been pretty mediocre the past two seasons. Like what is that worth? Well, and the other thing, um, Jarvis Landry is going to turn 30 in November, you know, by no means saying that's the end of it. Um, but you, you know, you got a receiver here who's barely 21. Donovan Peoples-Jones is a pup. Um, you're certainly going to bring in, you know, one, if not two, probably rookies in this 2022 draft class. And it's time to start looking to the future of the wide receiver position. That being said, I, you know, I, I don't, I'm not going to say one way or the other that, you know, the story of Jarvis Landry as a Cleveland Brown is over. Because I, I don't think the market for him is going to be booming to the point where the Browns, you know, we're just going to say, wow, I mean, you know, if this is what you're getting, then you know what? I mean, it's been great. It's been swell. You know, best of luck to you. Um, is there a number there that works? I think it's possible. 
It certainly is. But, you know, also, you know, Jarvis may be looking at this right now and saying, you know, my buddy got a ring. Do I want a ring? Which means I'm going to make even less money. Do I want the money? Which means, you know, I'm going to NFL purgatory to just, you know, basically, you know, stat up and make some cash. It's, you know, it's a spot to be in. A lot of this is going to come down to Jarvis and what he truly wants at this point. Um, you know, overall for the four years, I, I think he played well and there's a lot of superlatives you can put on Jarvis Landry as a player. Um, I think a lot of things are going to get misconstrued. Um, certainly, you know, due to the fact of the amount of money he made, which is fair, it certainly is. Um, you know, for four years of what you saw of Jarvis Landry, was it, you know, equate to $60 million? No, it most certainly doesn't. Um, but was he, a, you know, a gutsy guy? If he was able to go, did he go week in, week out, every week he was able to go? Yeah, there's no questions about that. Um, so obviously a lot of talk here on Jarvis today. Uh, we'll see the way it pl plays out. If it's not something that's going to work for the Browns, I agree. I don't think the Browns are going to hold anybody up in this situation. I mean, the writing is obviously on the wall as far as, you know, whether Browns are looking to go with this wide receiver room. And if it's not just flipping it over for 2022, it's certainly flipping it over for 23. And, you know, if there's a certain different quarterback here in that time. So the Jarvis Landry news. And again, for the, whatever, guys, this was this was coming. This had nothing to do you know, with 2021 and with Baker getting injured, all of that stuff, this was coming to a head just due to the amount of, you know, guaranteed money towards, I mean, I'm sorry, guaranteed money, but salary coming to Jarvis Landry that the Browns front office obviously just did not feel comfortable with. We're going to get to a little debate here on the Ohio State wide receivers, both very good players, but I, for me, I just think one's getting pushed a little bit more than the other, and I'm not too comfortable with that. We'll get back here in a minute. Locked on Browns, Jeff Lloyd, Pete Smith, along for the ride. This is the time of year that I have pretty much given up on all my New Year's resolutions, but not this year. I'm sticking to my resolution to eat right, thanks to Built Bar. It almost feels like it's not really a resolution because I actually enjoy eating them. Have you tried the puffs? If you haven't, you are missing out on one of Built Bar's best-tasting bars. Puffs are the first ever protein-infused marshmallow. They are fluffy. They are marshmallowy. They aren't just a protein bar. They are a treat, and they're covered in 100% real chocolate. Puffs are a fan favorite with some incredible flavors. Yummy, cinnamony, churro, coconut marshmallow, banana cream pie, all very good. These are going to be some of your new favorites. All Bill Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. Yes, the puffs are included. 100% real chocolate. Low calorie, high protein, Replace your candy bars with these. They are better. A typical candy bar can be anywhere from two to 300 calories. Go to built.com right now, scroll down the macros chart, and you will be blown away. High protein, low calorie, high fiber, low carb. Most built bars contain 130 calories, four grams of sugar, four net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Compare that to a candy bar, which usually has around 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and dozens of net carbs. Mint brownie, coconut, coconut almond. And new for this month, white chocolate cookies and cream. They are all delicious, and new flavors are coming out all the time. If they think a flavor might be good, they'll make it. It will be delicious, and it will be healthy for you. At Built Bar, they are all about the taste. They make it taste delicious first, then figure out how to make it healthy. And I don't know how, but it seems to happen every time. Offer. Go to Built.com. Use promo code LOCK15, all caps, no space, and get 15% off your order. Again, promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. Pete, the Ohio State Buckeyes with two wide receivers into this year's draft. Uh, of course, Chris Olave. Of course, Garrett, uh, Garrett Wilson. Going into this, Pete, 
I see I see a lot of upside in both players. There's no question about it. But I think with Wilson, you see a lot more of you know electricity, maybe big playability. Um, it's interesting because I think some people are a little confused here. You know, I think there's going to be certain things that they test better in. Uh, you know, I think you know Alave is going to test faster. I think Wilson will probably jump higher. I think Wilson probably has a little bit of a longer frame. Alave a little bit more compact. But Pete, I watch Chris Olave play, and it's just continuous. It's just steady. And I don't know necessarily that, you know, this is going to be something that's like drastic or dramatic as far as they're drafted. Um, You know, and of course, keep in mind, there are within a group of a really, really nice looking wide receiver class. But Pete, I I see both of them. And I think the consistency and almost like the Novocaine style of Chris Olave, if I've got to have one of them, I think Chris Olave is my guy. Yeah, so Chris Olave understands how to get open. He understands how to make catches and and make contested catches, and he's pretty fast. And you can make a a great career out of that. Um, My issues with Chris Olave are he's not very big in 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 terms of his frame. He's he's small small ish, and that does not mean he's he's like light necessarily. He's just sort of looks uh waifish um he's actually and we'll see what he actually measures in that but he's listed at being close to 190 pounds um which would be good for him it's not like Devonte smith which wouldn't be the end of the world anyway um garrett wilson is has bigger hands longer arms more strength more size more speed in terms of his body control on the field i, I think chris olave would win a race if you know 40 yeah. yard dash but garrett wilson is like the guy who is all about body control and ex- and quick explosion and making guys miss uh-huh. all these other things. Garrett Wilson has more to do in terms of perfecting his ability to win uh, against you know uh, coverages. I, I I think Garrett Wilson is well. I mean the the data at least if you go by like Pro Football Focus, he's better against man coverage which is a prerequisite for the Browns right now, or should be. Um, He does more after the catch. In fact, when I did my breakdown of him, for him, it seems like the play doesn't even start till he has the ball in his hands. Um, And then he is just a whirling dervish with with the football. He will do anything and everything to make guys miss, but he's doing it while going down the field. Um, Olave has more upside, uh, or I mean, uh, Garrett Wilson has more upside. You can see in, in three years that he's going to be a, he he should be a better player if he develops. Now that's the difference. Chris Olave is a little bit safer in regards to yep. you know what he is right now. It's a little concerning to me that Chris Olave largely has gotten well. I, I would say basically stayed the same for three years. Um, he hasn't really gotten better noticeably, uh, which isn't the end of the world again he was very good at, at being player um being a player at ohio state um i just think with what garrett wilson offers you in terms of the extras in terms of the after the catch in terms of his ability to beat man coverage in terms of what he does to opponents and where he wins and just the number of ways he can put stress on you um i think he offers more uh, i think olave can do a lot of great things i think he will be a nice player um in the nfl 
But my question is, where do you draft that? And I don't know if you draft that at 13. Now, if we're talking, hey, the Browns traded down seven spots or whatever, and then, you know, added some ammo and then took Chris Olave. I think that there's a hell of an argument to make for that. But if you're just asking me who I think is going to be the better player in three years, I think it's going to be Garrett Wilson. I could see the potential for, for on that path for Wilson. Um, and I agree. I, I think they're both good route runners, and it, but it does vary. Like, I agree with you with Garrett Wilson one-on-one. I believe he's got, you know, the necessary feet. I believe he's got the necessary, you know, planning ability, shifting ability to create separation. I think Olave just does exactly what you're asked, you know, runs the route, is, you know, basically in the hole where he needs to be, when he needs to be there. Um, so there's superlatives and positives, no doubt, for both of these players. And the nitpicking as far as, you know, Who's better at what? I mean, it could turn down to be something where it's like 50-50, you know, a little bit to Olave's side, certainly a little bit, uh, you know, Scarrett Wilson's side. Um, you know, Wilson with the big playability. Olave, again, I, I call it a Novocaine approach, slow, steady, gets it done. They both have the advantage that they've done well with two quarterbacks. So you can see that, you know, you're not going to just put, you know, a system type of thing on them. Both had nice production, nice statistical output with Justin Fields both with the freshman in this year and C.J. Stroud. Again, nice statistical output. But this is yeah. going to be – huh? Go ahead. Yeah. Their production this year was not – Well, they got – well, they, they they both got hurt this year because a certain slot receiver who's a hell of a lot of fun to be back in Columbus this year was taking up a lot of targets from the two of them that I'm sure their camps probably were not happy about. Like, yeah, raw yardage, they did fine. They both got 1,000 yards or whatever. But, like, in terms of market share and stuff, they both took a step back as – both missed two games. Both didn't play in the uh, in in the bowl game, um, so it, it had an impact. But you know, Jackson, Najibah uh, Smith, or whatever Smith Jigba, uh, whatever, he's arguably the best receiver in next year's draft already, uh, and had sixteen hundred yards and was out of his mind. And that Utah game happened, which obviously changed everything. Yep. Um, both both Olave and Wilson have posted elite production in season, so I'm not worried about them from that standpoint. But just this past season, it got a little wonky uh, in just in terms of how guys sort of performed, and that sort of took off, uh, you know, in a different direction. Okay. Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, both get drafted round one. Yes or no? Yeah, I assume they're both going round one. Okay. Which one is the better Browns fit? And is either one worthy of 13? I think both are really good Browns fits. Um, In fact, I think there's a a reason you can lean towards Olave in that particular aspect because you know exactly where he's going to be. That's the thing for me. After Odell and the special sauce on routes, can we maybe just start looking for some guys who are going to be where they need to be when they need to be there so everything can continue to work on pace. Well, but the thing is, and, and this is a thing, which is why I worry about people who are like, hey, let's go sign another big name veteran receiver is like, you can, if you, if you, if you're in that realm, you can sort of afford to basically like shut it down and be like, nah, I'll be out of here in, you know, six months or whatever. I can, you know, do, do better next year. If you're a guy like Garrett Wilson, you sort of have to figure this thing out because yep. you're not getting that big money and you got to work to make this thing happen with this team. So that part I don't worry about. But 
both guys fit great. I think Garrett Wilson is worth the pick at 13. I have a more difficult time seeing that with uh, Alave, but that doesn't mean he's a bad player by any stretch. It's just, I don't know that he's special enough for what he does uh, to go that high. Great player, tremendous resume. I'm just not there with him. So I think for me, I think one thing with me for Alave is, is, you know, it's going to be one of those ones and everybody loves to do the, uh, you know, the, you know, the redo drafts, you know, two to three years post. And I just think the way Chris Olave is getting talked about, and it's starting to turn a little bit now. I think Chris Olave is going to be one of those guys where people are going to be like, wow, he probably should have went a little higher. It almost feels like, you know, being safe. If he can do it, if he can do it, he should go play for the Bears. I mean, straight up. Find sure. your way to the Bears because that 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 has been the best connection possible for Chris Olave. If he can find a way to go catch passes from uh, from 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 their dude, then they're they're going to be in good shape. I mean, that connection was tremendous. Uh, and if you can create that with him, he's going to be a special player. I, again, like I said, he's great. I just don't know if he's thirteenth pick great. We'll see. We'll see how it plays out. Obviously, there's going to be a lot of names bantered about. we got to be up to 100 now. Not probably worthy of number 13 selection overall if you follow along here on social media. Uh, we're going to get to here the NFL Combine. Um, a lot of things got to be changed. I, I understand what they're doing, but, I mean, there's a lot of, you know, that goes into this as far as, you know, you know uh, Combine attendees, their camps their agencies about what's best for each individual guy. We're going to get to that here. Uh, continue along here. Pete Smith in on your latest locked on Browns. The good folks over at bet online. Yes. Football might be over for this season, but basketball is in full steam for both the pro and the NCAA college action from all the latest odds, totals, player performance props to where the next fired coach is going to land. BetOnline.net is your number one spot for all your sports betting needs. BetOnline remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline is your source for hockey, boxing, and UFC odds right to the final of the Olympic coverage and information. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. BetOnline, where the game starts. As always, we appreciate everybody who makes Locked on Browns their first listen day in, day out. Wherever you get your podcast, make sure you're following and subscribed to the Locked on Browns podcast. Pete, uh, the bubble limit, limited exposure to your camp. Um, you've got a lot of agencies, a lot of possible draft attendees confused by this process with it set to begin in one week. This certainly needs to get figured out. Um, Pete, the most important thing here is putting these kids in the best position to basically put together their best athletic resume. Um, Things like trying to do the bench and the 40 and the field work all in the same day. Absolutely asinine. I mean, I, I understand a lot of this is done to, you know, for safety protocols, things of that nature, all of this, but, You've got to get this right, and you've got to get this right quickly. No, we've already got an indication what's going to happen. The NFL is going to fold on this. They're not. They're not going to let. They're going to make. It's about. Sure. It's about the NFL making money. So if this is the case, guess what? The NFL they're going to have to fold like a cheap suit. 
Well, there's a number of problems for the NFL that makes them in a really tough spot in terms of trying to hold a bargaining position. The NFL network does not have a lot of great reasons to watch it. Um, you know, if you like the morning show, great. Some of their documentaries are great, but in terms of like things where you're really looking to watch it, the combine is number one. And then it's games that you're forced to watch on their network because they won't put them anywhere else for the most part. So the NFL that is intent on making the NFL, the league into a 24, seven, coverage league, you're not going to do anything that's going to jeopardize a week of TV watching for your network or the, or the, the news that comes with it. So they're going to fold. And ultimately um, the, the combine really only matters as far as medical and interviews, like the testing's fine. And that's the other part of the problem is like, the NFL found out real quick that a lot of these people can be like, yeah, we're not doing this. We'll come do the medical. We'll come knock out the testing and we'll or knock out the uh, interviews and we'll go test on our own at pro day or whatever. Is there value in testing? Sure. Is that value as much as it was 10 years ago? No, the technology is getting to a point where you can get speed off of uh, game tape and that's more useful. Um, that doesn't mean that teams don't want to see it. Teams love information. Teams love seeing the apples to apples comparison of guys running on the same track the same day, the same time um, to get a contrast. But the, the combine sort of a jacked up setup anyway, because the medical keeps you or has you up at weird hours when you're allowed to eat and stuff is weird in terms of like trying to prep and, and produce and get all these things. So they're, is already sort of a not, you know, it's not really a, a, a full blown wave or anything, but just a little bit of a, a sense that the combine isn't that important other than the medical and the interviews. And this is sort of exposing that reality. Um, you know, there's already talk that the, the, the Indianapolis isn't going to host it anymore um, and where it's going to end up if it's in Texas or whatever, that's part of this, but yeah, it comes down to TV everything's about the NFL making sure it's constantly relevant and constantly in the conversation and giving up and losing to this and having nobody participate in the combine is really bad news would be really devastating for them, which is why it's ultimately going to happen. And the players are going to get to do what they want, which they shouldn't anyway. I mean, think about it. The NFL pretended COVID didn't exist for the, basically the last six weeks and then all of a sudden we're going to put a bubble on and restrict where kids can go. That's it's a beyond the COVID element. There's this weird control aspect that the NFL needs to sort of get over. There's no, there's no way around it. I mean, this is, this is your baby. And for a week here, you're going to get everybody glued to you. Um, you know, it, the NFL draft and its coverage, it, it's completely off the rails as, you know, far as, you know, how much people are invested into it. People are fans of the process. Um, the amount of podcasts, I mean, so much exists because of it. Certainly it's the NFL as well, but it's their point of, you know, stamping this as a year round sport. And, you know, also the greatness of the combine and Pete had mentioned it earlier is this is where you start to get the leaks of where things are trending towards March 16th, free agency. You know, and, you know, if anybody remembers a couple of years ago, this is where, you know, we first found out, you know, some of us knew, tried to tell you um, that, you know, Joe Schobert, there was no shot at him remaining with the Browns. 
and you saw the plan of this new Browns front office where it was, we are not going to spend on linebackers. We're going to go young or we're going to go vet cheap at linebacker. Um, and that's where this stuff starts to come out. And, you know, all in Indy, again, you have, you know, the agents there, they're working during the day, you know, and on the training day for their athletes, making sure they're 100% in the best, per, you know, best position to absolutely go out there and nail a workout, look as great as they can for scouts. Um, you'll get their numbers official, get all the testing numbers official, wrap all that nonsense up, then do a pro day, you know, do some visits and be ready to go when Lady April comes. You know, that's the way it works. But at night, it's meetings and it's, you know, where are you on my guy? As, you know, Pete had mentioned with, you know, Jarvis Landry and his camp. That'll be something that's, you know, bounded about. And, you know, the Browns will say, maybe this is a number we're comfortable with. And Jarvis Landry's camp will say, maybe that's not a number we are comfortable with. Or, all right, if you're talking that number, maybe we are comfortable with it. So, so much goes into this. Um, as far as, you know, where the combine is headed. Come on, Pete. Can we really believe it's anywhere else but L.A.? Certainly would make the most sense given that they've, you know, they've, in addition to the fact that SoFi Stadium is is sort of this massive complex um, anyway. Got it's the also new NFL.com offices right yeah, around they, the corner. They put all their offices and crap in there. Now the issue with, the question with that is, you know, how, how well set up are they to run it? I assume, you know, it may end up there. It may also be a rotating thing. Um, but yeah, ultimately that's going to be home. But think about the combine just like the senior bowl is it is a source for hype and you know, the senior bowl this year, what did, what did people come out? Oh, Malik Willis is going to go top 10 or, or Kenny Pickett or whatever else they came up with, Mm -hmm. you know, Jermaine Johnson, obviously a guy who's, who's become very popular uh, moving up draft boards. Like the combine is one more place where you can get hype. You know, you get guys who run, some ridiculously high for, you know, fast 40 or, you know, it's a line, you know, sub defensive lineman or offensive lineman running like some sub sub five at 300 and something pounds. Like it's one more way to sort of build up their draft coverage and all folds onto itself and adds up. It's a snowball working its way downhill. So, you know, you're, if you're trying to build hype, it's gotta be on TV. So the NFL folds. Of course. And it's, I mean, at the end of the day, in like, you know, don't ever let the NFL fool you for a second, people. It is about the almighty dollar. Always has been, always will be, and don't ever think differently. Pete Smith, uh, always appreciated Pete's time. Pete, sportsillustrated.com, Browns Digest over there. Uh, fantastic job. And, you know, this time of year, look, if you're an offseason nut as far as, you know, roster building, uh, manipulating the cap. The NFL Draft, beating the crew over at NFL.com. I mean, I'm sorry, at BrownsDigest.com, uh, BrownsDigest on SI.com. Have you covered there. Make sure you check out, you know, um, for Pete's sake, the podcast, Pete and Nicole, always week in, week out. Crush it. Great job. Uh, Nicole being a part of it is certainly um, made for a, you know, a different balance of conversation, a different even flow than you get here from Pete and myself. Um, so make sure you put that into your daily rotation. Uh, make sure you're following uh, at underscore Pete Smith underscore. Of course, again, everything on SI.com. Make sure you're uh, subscribed to the podcast. Uh, the show itself at Lockdown Browns. Follow back account. DMs are always open. Me personally at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Uh, DMs are open. Uh, throw a follow over there. Questions, ideas. Look, it's off season. We've got a lot more manipulation as what we can talk about um, as far as you know, things Browns related, things NFL related, AFC North related, draft related, yada, 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 yada. Um, so I appreciate everybody. And of course, you know, everybody who makes Lockdown Browns their first listen day in, day out. 
Uh, it means a ton. Um, the, the growth of the show, the support for the show over the years as, you know, come September, we're talking, I think it's five years now. It's just been an amazing, amazing ride. Uh, could not appreciate anybody, uh, you know, everybody, you know, enough. There just There's just not enough words and superlatives to put. So we've gotten some thoughts here, obviously, on Jarvis Landry. The Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave debate. And the NFL Combine, look, there's a bunch of nonsense that's probably not going to mean a hill of beans by the time we actually kick this thing off on Tuesday of next week. And with that, we're going to close this out. This has been your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound. LGB on the LOB. Let's go.